Jiro hits the first rest day. Are you excited? The classics are in full swing. Are you thrilled? Well, Perry Robay gets canceled. I hope you're not depressed. But Julian Alaphilippe almost loses a race the way he did Liege, Bastille, Liege. Now you've got my attention. Jiro Jiro 2020 recap. First rest day in full swing. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah, Wimbledon. Men's and women's. Got some results for there. And hey, we have racing in Florida. What's up with that? Also, EF is asshole. 2020, 2007, 207 episodes in the book. That's what we've got going here for the uh, Between Two Wheels podcast. I am Tyler Yonke. I hope everyone is doing fine. EF is asshole. What's what's up with that? Well, first of all, so is Flow Bikes, but we'll get to that in a little bit later segment. And also, if you tune in on the... Uh, the we'll try to do this on just the podcast, the audio only version. We'll put a little treat for you in at the end of this one, just uh, just to wet your whistle. It's uh, hey, R.I.P. Eddie Van Halen, miss you and great music. I don't know if you're fans of his. Uh, maybe the debate goes on. Was he was he really the legend everyone thinks he is, or was he overhyped? I personally think, uh, especially listen to uh, the first album, uh, Van Halen One, or just Van Halen. Um, phenomenal album coming out of the gates and. Um, that's just kind of my opinion. So maybe, maybe you could take uh, take that for what it's worth. EF is asshole. So yesterday we had in the break uh, Lawrence Warbass, American former national champion. He calls Warbass slams Giro Italia stage nine winner Guerrero for lack of collaboration in breakaway. Guerrero was riding like a real asshole today. <laughs> let's see what let's see what uh, Larry Warbass has to say about this. Um, and by the way. Larry Warbass, uh, nothing really to complain about other than um, I know he maybe put a lot of effort for that breakaway to stay away, but you know he still had to drop um, Castro Viejo, who was putting in work in that break too. So you, you that could have been with you. Former U.S. national champion Larry Warbass, AG Tourland Mondial, Slam Ruben Guerrero, EF Pro Cycling, winner of the Stage 9 Giro d'Italia, alleging the Portuguese rider had failed to collaborate sufficiently in the breakaway of the day. Whereby said Guerrero didn't help at all, while Guerrero responded by defending himself, saying the important thing was the victory. On the 208-kilometer stage, starting in San Salvo, Warbass and Guerrero were in an eight-man break, rain-soaked. Yeah, it was pretty nasty weather. Um, so anyway, dropped in the previous day's climb. The second category ascended the Bosco del Santana. Warbass was fuming after he crossed the line in fifth place. Come on, Larry, settle down a little bit. Guerrero was riding like a real asshole today. He didn't help at all. So I just guess maybe he was smart, but he saved his legs for the sprint. Yeah, I had to do a whining voice because that, come on, Larry, just calm down, take a breath, and uh, let's see what you got going on here. Um, Warbass told the reporters at the rain stream down at the finish, no one liked the way he was riding. He was shirking, but that's bike racing. Guerrero defended himself strongly in his winner's press conference as he celebrated talking, uh, taking EF Pro's second stage summits uh, win in the first week after Jonathan Cachado scored victory on Mount Etna. Yeah, pretty impressive there. I used to be one of the guys that worked more in the breaks, Guerrero said. I did that in the Volta last year where he finished second behind Jumbo Visma rider Sepp Kuss at Santera del Acabo. And again in Trinidadico, where stage seven, he took the sprint second behind Alpeson Phoenix leader Matthew Vanderpool. By the way, two impressive uh, second places behind those guys. Warbass rode pretty well. Maybe he was going for the overall, Guerrero said. That's cycling. For me, the important thing is take a victory. The second was for our team. I can be really proud. Guerrero jumped from the break with Castroviero six kilometers from the line. The Spaniard attacked and was the only one able to follow. Castroviero was the strongest on the flat. 
where I was suffering and I had to save energy in the last kilometer, which I knew would suit me well. I didn't work so much in the break. The important thing was the win. Warbath said he had suffered badly before the finale. I was really, really, really on the limb on the second to last climb. I gave it everything. I was really disappointed because I thought I got in a breakaway. I could win today, but I could not. Yeah, that's uh, that's a bit of a bummer, Warbass. Uh, it was cool to see you up in the break, and I was hoping for good things from you. Um, and then uh, not not so impressed with the comment there. That's a little disappointing that you would uh, you'd get a little worked up over. Anyway, it's what happens. Maybe you get rid of him. You know, um, there's uh, was, I'm trying to remember. I think it was Thomas DeGent the other day. He was in the breakaway, and I forget the, who the rider he was with in there in the Giro, and that guy wasn't working, and he towed him all the way up. I think to to like sew up some of the break and um then they were getting dropped and then he said his whole purpose in the break that day was to make sure this guy got dropped didn't win and um he did so and he sacrificed his own you know larry you could have you could have uh, possibly done that as well um but you know that that is bike racing and you know you can complain all you want but the reality is uh guerrero got the win and that's uh, one of the things we're going to take a look at here some of the exciting things that um have been happening so far in the juro not going to I mean, it's a recap day. And, and I don't know, has it been exciting? I mean, we hit stage three at Mount Etna. That was pretty good. Um, and then we had, you know, it's got climbing stuff all throughout. But then even today's the rest day, Monday. Monday, October 12th, 2020. And then we've got uh, basically the whole week. There's some other mountain stuff in there, but not a mountaintop finish until we get to, well, we have the time trial Saturday, stage 14. And then we have t- uh, big mountains on uh, Sunday. So you might have to wait a whole week of the Giro, and then it's just packed. That last week, they're up north. They're just going to hammer the climbs uh, right and left. So you're going to get a lot of that coming up. And then uh, two more time trials. It ends with the time trial as well. Let's just give some of the highlights here. EF, they've won two stages. Uh, Cachedo on stage three, and then Guerrero just happened on, what is it, stage nine. Uh, Felipe Ghana, he wins two stages as well. Remember, he started off with the time trial, winning the, the time trial there. Uh, we wouldn't call it a prologue because it was 15K. And then he won it in the mountains, and he did that pretty impressively. Uh, what stage? I want to say stage six or seven there. Uh, no, uh, five. Maybe it was five. Stage five. He won, um, and it was pretty impressive. And he's one of the bigger guys, big engine. And if you remember, and I made a comment. I said someone just to check this as well. Uh, back in Tour de San Luis, um, he was in the break with Remco Evenepoel, uh, Brandon McNulty, who's doing decent in this race, and several others up to climb the, one of the big stages. I want to say three or four of that tour of that stage, and he ended up fourth or fifth that day. Uh, very impressive. You know, that's a long drag climb. He's just got an engine he can just set to to whatever that diesel number he needs to be, and he can power away on the front. And so he was able to do so here as well. He had, um, so he won stage five. I want to believe Demar. He's won three stages: stage four, six, and seven. Sagan, note, he was uh, second to him on stages four and seven. Uh, Michael Matthews was second to him on stage six. Jao Almeida, he's been in pink since the Etna, and he's probably going to stay in pink until next Saturday. I just, I, I think, climb, well, as you can see, he was able to climb well enough on Etna to take the uh, the, the pink jersey then, and he, um, you know, did quite a quick step. They're protecting him. There'll be almost two weeks, I think, in the pink jersey going into the last week uh, for for that team. That's uh, that's quite impressive. It's kind of like the uh, Julian Alaphilippe last year. Uh, Simon Yates, he suffered on sta- suffered a little bit on stage three, and then we found out he had some symptoms. Comes down with COVID nineteen, and he's out of the race. So far, I haven't heard any ramifications 
from his team getting anything uh, as well uh, as far as COVID goes. Um, Israel Startup Nation, they got a stage win with Alex Dalsett. Um, so good for them. It's kind of their, are they setting themselves up for next year? I don't think Dallas, I think his wife is having a baby. I don't think he's got a contract for next year. Come on for him. See if you can pull, pull some strength, get that uh, new father uh, a job. Um, and like I said, we might not have any changes until stages 14 or 15 coming up. So let's just, um, how about if we take a look at some of the, the results that we've had uh, over the last few, let's see, pro cycling stats. We'll share the screen here and just talk about, so we saw Gorbero, uh, Castro Viejo, uh, Mikel Berg. It's a little disappointing. Tian Killian, uh, Frankini, they they were both um, with Larry Warbass and, and they were able to get rid of him. So Warbass it is. Tail Gegenhart, he sped up, uh, got a little break off with Lucas Hamilton from the group. And then in the last K, by the way, the last 1K was pretty nasty steep. And it was uh, it caused some problems in the the GC field as well with Kelderman getting. I mean, he, he ends up getting some time over um, Joe Almeida because uh, he came Almeida came in one fifty six back. Wilco Kelderman at one thirty eight. So you're looking at about twenty some seconds there. Brandon McNulty um, steady on with thirteenth place, one forty four back. So losing just a few seconds to Kelderman. Full Sang evidently Full Sang and Nibbly they've been having some sort of go at it with each other. And they both came out and said, hey, hey, you know, we're now we're going to promise that we're going to focus on other people than just ourselves. Evidently, they they saw what Walt Vannert and Matthew Vanderpool were doing at the Gantt-Wogel again, and they decided they didn't want to uh, look like such idiots themselves. So I don't know what they'd actually been doing. Joe Dombrowski, 201 back. Remember Joe Dombrowski, American? He rides with UAE. He's there. We got two Americans there in the top 20. McNulty, actually three three Americans. Really, really well done. Uh, Warbass in fifth. McNulty in 13th and Joe Dombrowski in 25th, just for the stage. So let's take a look. And actually, we're going to highlight the Americans on the uh, GC. We've got quite a few more in here than we did in the Tour de France this year. McNulty is in 18th place, 245 out. Warbath, 658. So he took some time back. Dombrowski, 720. Joey Roscoff, he had a chance when uh, Ghana won the other day of possibly, no, no, sorry, Dowsett won the other day of possibly being able to win that too. And uh, Dowsett, they were not able to bring him back. He, he, they did a little circuit. He was able to, like 20K circuit or so, 15 maybe, and he was able to stay away on the climb. They tried to bring him back, and then and Joey uh, was trying as well uh, with CCC, uh, ended up, I think, fourth or fifth on the day um, in the field sprint there just behind him. Chad Haga. 45 minutes, he's already out of it in Lawson Craddock. One hour, 12 minutes already after nine full stages. Uh, points jerseys, we're not going to, let's go back to all our riders, including all nations. Okay. Just some highlighting there, kind of from the uh, different stages that we've gone through from the Giro, um, and maybe a few little more highlights. Um, the like I said, Dowsett was able to come through for a win, but you've got Demar with three stage wins so far. Two of those being close with um, uh, Peter Sagan, and one with Michael Matthews. The one with Michael Matthews, uh, Demar just kind of popped out real quick and took a, a easy lead. It had a little bit of an uphill, and so he was able to take that or came in weird. Uh, the other ones, you know, Peter Sagan, um, it almost looked like they were getting pushed into the barriers on on one the other day, but. Um, Peter Sagan, you know, there was actually DeMar held his line quite well, and Sagan just can't come around. He is just not quite, I mean, he's getting a lot of seconds. Remember a few years ago when he was winning the world championships and um, 
He had a ton of second places and everyone was making a big deal about it. Finally, he gets a win. I don't know if that was the year he was squeezing asses on the podium of that girl, <laughs> but he was having a lot of trouble getting anything. But you know, you think about it, you go, oh, second place. If I had all these second places, I think I'd be, uh, I'd be sitting pretty and uh, feel just fine about it. But um, as it is right now, he is having a little bit of trouble. And so with that, you know, people start to talk and is he kind of over and done? And if he's over and done, then is, you know, who's the next sprinter on the block? And with that, um, we had Mark Cavendish coming in again, Wobblegum, and maybe he's uh, ending his time as well. But I thought we'd go through, just walk through some of the stages here from Steep Hill and kind of remember kind of what's happened over the last few. You know, I mentioned a few of them here, but um, we, we talked about that. Um, look, at, and we can see with Sagan. So Ghana wins, obviously, stage one. Stage two, we come in here, and Ulisi gets the upper hand on Peter Sagan. He gets a second place there as well. That's at least one second place. Um, stage three was Etna. We understand remember that one. That was Cachedo winning uh, with the EF jersey. Luckily for him, he only had to wear his Columbia – I'm sorry, his, his – um, at Columbia, he's a Ecuador, Ecuador national championship Jersey. So he did not have to wear the full duck uniform. Um, and then we saw, that's when we saw Almeida take over, uh, Bilbao, Kelderman, all those guys, that was a big, nasty climb up to Mount Edna. We saw those suffer from, um, uh, Yates, a few other guys stage four saw DeMar get his first win second in second place. Uh, stage five, Ghana, he gets the win there over Patrick Conrad, Yalameda. Um, local Kelderman, Lewis Hamilton, Jai Hindley. So that was not the stage um, with Joey Roscoff. Yes, I had corrected that already. Uh, then we had stage six, got another win by DeMar easily over uh, Michael Matthews. And if you could look at that one, he posts up super. And by the way, we'll talk about posting up here in a little bit. Uh, but take, start taking a look at these sprinters, uh, these true sprinters in their post up and where they're actually the line is when they're posting up. These guys are knowing how to do it. They understand the, the photo op is necessary, but they also understand something that, that the Julian Alaphilippe doesn't, that the photo op comes second to guaranteeing the win. Um, stage seven, uh, once again, Damar, the nice win over with a little bike throw there over uh, Michael, I'm sorry, Peter Sagan. That's at least what, three or four uh, second places. And all this time, Almeida has been in, in the lead. Alex Delset winning stage eight over Pucho, Salvatore Pucho, Michael uh, Matthew Holmes, and Joy Roscoff. Roscoff could not get on the podium on that one. He ended up uh, the worst of those those three on the day. And then we had yesterday the asshole, according to <laughs> according to Larry Warbass, uh, Ruben Guerrero uh, wearing the Mighty Ducks ugh, jersey. Excuse me, is that my throat? Of the um, EF Education First and their palace ducks or whatever it is, uh, Jersey that they had there over Nicholas, uh, Jonathan, Nicholas Castro Viejo, Michael Berg, which I think Berg had been writing with, um, um, the local, not the local, uh, Cole Davis rides for them. Why, why can't I think of this? It's, uh, Axel Merckx's team and Killian Frankini and Larry Warbass all the head with Jai Almeida in the pink Jersey. So we got coming up here, Rest day today, Tuesday. Then we have a bunch of these others. A lot of rolling, punchy, climby stuff going back and back and back. Uh, the time trial, which is 34.1 kilometers on a Saturday. And with that, it's a decent rolly uh, time trial. And then you've got 203 kilometers. No, I'm sorry. Um, two, 185 kilometers 
up to Piancavallo on Saturday, on Sunday with uh, some nasty climbing. And we'll probably break that down as the week comes and goes. All right. How about some other things? Uh, well, Julian Alaphilippe, he, I think he learned, did he learn his lesson? I don't know. We're, we're maybe thinking he learned his lesson from his exploits at uh, the Bram, Brabant's Peel race. Okay. <sighs> that guy, he had a nice break uh, with Vanderpool, Matthew Vanderpool, um, Benet Kosnafoy, and Vanderpool. Vanderpool, while we know he's great, and was it Amstel Gold last year, we had the screaming sprint, and he's winning everything, and we're all super impressed with him. Um, doesn't always come to the point where you're going to continue to always be impressed just because he can sprint pretty good and he's got a lot of power. He won the Brinkbank Tour this year. Um, it doesn't mean that he's going to pull out. And you had everybody but Kosnafoy seemed to be on a mental demented state going into this final. Kosnafoy, who we had seen in the polka dot jersey for quite some time uh, at the Tour de France, um, he had done well at Liège. He had his rear derailleur mech problem, um, and he's been up there and, and, and running and, and doing well. Uh, so he finally gets a chance here. Goes, gets in the break, the the, the top end break with Al Philippe and uh, Matthew Vanderpool. They're coming into the sprint, and Julian opens it up. Well, Kostnafoy does. I, I don't know what he's. I don't know what he could have done other than lead the sprint out, other than um, st and still get third. Um, does he sit on one of those guys' wheel and try to come around him? Does he try to jump first? So I think he just knew. Hey, I might as well go to the front and see if these two guys can uh, screw it up from behind. And what ended up happening was Alaphilippe um, is in third place behind uh, uh, Vanderpol's in second, and he starts to come up around him, and he actually squeezes in Vanderpol. But Vanderpol, this is on the right-hand side, and Vanderpol lets himself get kind of set in. Wait, wait. I don't know why he's waiting. He's got the biggest punch. Matter of fact, he's got the biggest power sprint of those three, whereas Julian Moore has a kick. So why let him try to stay on your wheel and then kick around you? Why not just blast it from a little bit further out instead he waits too long and then he has to come all the way around julian out of fleep and go through on his left because everyone's got in mind you know deviate from your line a little bit you're going to be dq'd as we saw in liege and he kicks hard for the line julian out of fleep posts up a good a good bike length early and almost gets beat again at the line Okay, so there's a few things here. One, and there's no way Vanderpool should ever have been beat by uh, Julian Alaphilippe in that sprint. I'd say with his power, three of them on a three-up sprint, uh, and with Kostnafoy being willing to, in, for some reason, to lead them out, you put that situation there, seven out of ten times you're going to have Vanderpool win just out of the sheer fact that he can generate a lot more power. So he allowed himself to go too late. He allowed himself to, to get boxed in. And I say allowed yourself because there's no reason he shouldn't. I mean, he should have started to come by and forced Alaphilippe to go wide around him instead of him being able to actually stop, in a sense, come back and then have to sprint around the outside. And um, then you've got Alaphilippe. Dude, you just said you went, you lost Liège legitimately before the, the DQ. You lost Liège with a uh, early post-up. So you said, I'm never going to post up early again. I'm going to... You know, I'm not going to deviate from my line. I'm going to be good. Okay, so you didn't deviate from your line, but you posted up again, and you allowed him to almost get you. If he didn't, if he had just come a little bit quicker to begin with and not done that, it, and you posted up like that, you would have been two for two on the idiot spectrum. Uh, instead, uh, you both kind of deserve what you got in a sense. I don't know. Uh, Alaphilippe, 
he gets away with it, I guess. I don't know if he deserved any, uh, he deserved to lose possibly too. Um, but if you look at the sprinters, the real big sprinters, because I, I start to notice this when they post up and, and if you actually look at the overhead, a lot of times you're seeing them, they're across the line and then they're posting up. There's plenty of, and you don't think they're not getting their picture taken across the line by the, the, the press at the end. No, they are. Those guys are def, they're, they're throwing their bike, they're doing whatever. And then they're posting up after the line. There still gets a picture taken. Uh, it doesn't get nullified, the picture, because you're across the line. It still looks just as good. Matter of fact, it might look better because you see the distraught looks of the guys you just beat behind you. So when you're a clear winner, why not sprint all the way to the line? And uh, personally, I hope that um, Alaphilippe doesn't learn anything from this and he gets uh, he gets nailed with it again because it is a little bit of, a, of an interesting take on the situation. Um so we've had a few different races going on here. Uh, we had Perry Tours going on. We had um, Get Wevelgun going on. Casper Pedersen wins Perry Tours. I mean, Saturday was a full day. I, I get up Saturday, Sunday. Sunday gets up. Um, I ended up watching Perry Tours first. Then I went and did the replay of the women's Ghent. And then I did the, the replay of the, the men's Ghent. And then I got to see the uh, Giro d'Italia as well. So uh, Perry Tours, we had Casper Pedersen winning over uh, Benat Kosnefoy. Once again, Kosnefoy doing what he can, but uh, not quite to the extent that um, he's just he's, he's, a, he's a good rider. I just don't know that he has a chance of uh, actually making it um, as far as the sprinting against some of these guys. So Pedersen wins, Team Sunweb, Kosnefoy gets beat in the sprint. Uh, yeah, Joris Newhouse, uh, Team Sunweb, winning the field sprint behind over uh, Valentin Madwas and uh, Warren Bargui and Petra Vakov and Roman Bardet. So not a not a hefty group there for um, Madwas and Joris to have to overcome. But, uh, you know, in, in the same respect, uh, they did what they had to do. Um, then we also had Gent Wevelgum. So let's talk about the, the men's, and then we'll, we'll we'll talk about the women's as well. Men's race, really good race. Started to see things pair itself down to the top 10 here. Um, you get in a break. You have Mads Pedersen. You had Florence Seneschal. You had Matteo Trentin. You had Alberto Bediol, Stephen Kung, uh, John Devenkold. And I'm giving this is the top seven here. Yves Lampert, Wildbender, Matthew Vanderpool. Uh, then there was a Dylan Toyn's kind of in between, and, but then that had all the way up to, I want to say about maybe 15, well, let's see, 18, right up here to the top 18 were all in a break, and they got split up with, I want to say, around 6, 8, 10 to go when um, Betty all kept pushing things on, Vanderpool and, and Wout were doing that as well. And when they come into the finish, uh, Betty all, all these guys kind of hit the front, you know, uh, Degen, I'm sorry, Degen called, um, Lampert, he had a teammate up there with him, Seneschal, so he was doing some work uh, leading him out. Um, and then when you had a little bit of a split coming in, uh, Alberto Bediol, Mads Pedersen ends up taking the win quite nicely. Uh, Matteo Trenton was obviously a threat. But you had Wout Vanert and Matthew Vanderpool not even contesting for the sprint because they were so concerned. Well, as a matter of fact, the top three or four kind of had a little bit of a gap, um, doing a little shake and bake coming into the finish here. Uh, but you had Vanderpool and Wout Van Ert, two top two guys. I mean, uh, let's not take anything away from world champion Mads Pedersen. Did great work for Richie Port in the Tour de France. And by the way, you've seen a lot of these Tour de France guys that did a lot of work and a lot of action and were very, um, you know, in the forefront of the Tour. 
doing just fine in all these races. Pedersen, Matteo Trenton, um, Betty all in there. I don't remember if he was as well. Uh, obviously, uh, Wout Van Ert was in there. You had in some of these other races, obviously, um, being able to see uh, Mark Hershey, Julian Alaphilippe, um, Kosnafoy is another one that's that's really kind of coming to the front here. So, you know, something to be said about uh, the fitness that they got out of this compact year in this. Anyway, so you see this sprint being nullified. And once again, well, and Matthew Vanderpoel looking at each other to the point where they stared each other down for an eighth and ninth instead of getting a classic win. Bummer. Um, says something. Says something about maybe not um, trying to nullify each other out and looking at that one person. So much so that you end up seeing the race go up the road. And that happened a lot. Uh, I must say I was pretty imp- uh, impressed with Betty all. He was doing a lot of attacking and then following moves. And, and sometimes you get, you know, when you're singled out there, I mean, he ended up one of the moves he did ended up uh, squeezing out his own teammate, uh, Sepp Van Mark. So there was a split in that front group and he ended up getting the front one. Sepp Van Mark didn't make it up there, but then, you know, kind of put Betty all on the point where he didn't have to do a lot of work, although he still did. Um, anyway, uh, good Ghent. As far as the women go, um, that was also a decent, there was like two breaks there, decent size break, if I want to say about nine or 10, uh, followed just, you know, they only had like 20 some seconds to a group back there. Lauren Stevens of Team Tibco, NorCal. Uh, she was in that break and I was really hoping for some good things from her. But as it was, um, the Bulls Dolman, Amy Peters, was able to lead out her teammate, Julian Dehor, gets a nice post up win, once again, not before the line. Over Lottie Kopecki of the Lotto Sudal team and Lisa Brenauer, the I think she's a German national champion on the Kretz WNT Pro Cycling. Serwar Roy, is it Wa or Roy? For Mitchelton Scott in fourth. Marta Cavalli of Valcar Travel and Service, and Lauren Stevens in sixth. Demi Vollering, uh, the Park Hill Falkenberg team. Uh, Lizzie Dynan, Trek Sigafredo team in eighth. And Amy Peters of Bulls Dolman. Uh, Trek Sigafredo, I think um, they also, I mean, too bad for Lizzie, but right behind her was uh, Lisa Borghini um, in the next group. And she uh, was, you know, almost caught him at the line there. There's eight, nine seconds between those two. Uh, other than that, um, what do we have from Ghent? Well, it was, it was what it was. And so coming up, we do on the schedule, we're going to be able to have um, some other cool races coming up here. Unfortunately, Perry Bay has been canceled, but we do have Flanders, not Ned, but the Ronde van de Vlaarden, um, coming up on the 18th. So that's uh, coming up on the weekend. There's um, De Pan, uh, and then the Vuelta. The Vuelta, <laughs> the Vuelta starts on the 20th. We're, we're going to be one week away from the end of the Giro, overlapped with oh, Skelderpress. That's uh, coming up on the 14th as well, the midweek here. And it also reminded me, we'll just talk real quick about that. Um, you had Cavendish. Cavendish was in the break early on in Ghent. And uh, when the when uh, Vanderpoel and uh, Wout and them kind of all caught up to the break, he was in there for a bit. And it was like, hey, cool. But then he got kind of spit out with the um, the – the churning of the, the top guys just really blasting it up. Some of those cobbled climbs uh, took him out of the position. And next thing you know, um, he's crying at the finish saying, hey, maybe this is going to be my last race ever. Wiggins ended up coming out and says, hey, um, you know, this is not the way we want to see Mark Cavendish go out. No, it is not the way we want to see Mark Cavendish go out. But at least we got to see Mark Cavendish in the break. I'm doing something. Um, you know, I know he's been injured. He's had some some issues, uh, this and that, and hitting the back of a car out there in the desert. 
um, before the race even starts. So it's been a tough several years for him. But, you know, we could also remember the Mark Cavendish, uh, who he is and what he is and what he's uh, what he's given to us. So um, enjoy that as well. I don't know that I don't know that he's necessarily going to be. Um, well, he might be retiring when you start saying things like, um, you know, I'm this might be the last race ever. Uh, maybe it's a good time to, to listen to to what they're actually uh, <laughs> actually progressing and pre predicting for himself. How about some winners and losers? And then I thought we'd talk about some comments that we've gotten on some of the last videos and then some a little bit of a, an update on our YouTube channel and some other things. Um, I want to say EF, there are two stage wins uh, in the Giro. They had a stage win with Martinez in the Tour de France, a really great one there. Um, really looking to be on the upward slope and hopefully for them it helps solidify any kind of um, what is it, sponsorship issues that you might have. Um, other than that though, uh, the losers I would oh happen to God. say are any of us here who happen to happen to like that jersey or see that jersey. I, If you like it, give me a comment. I, I look, honestly, I'm, I'm getting used to it now, seeing it in the Giro and it's easy to spot when you're in there. So it's, it's okay. Um, they also have their almost like a retro bike paint job. So everything's kind of deviating from their, their pink. And it almost makes me like, I look at their pink kit now and I'm like, Hey, kind of like that pink kit. It's not so bad, but that's what it takes. That's what it takes. Then that's what it takes. Um, losers. I said it was them, but it's also flow bikes. I, I <laughs> gotten a copyright strike again from flow bikes. Wait, We'll, we'll return to this in a second. Uh, my, uh, Brian Zimney, he has a comment here. He says, Wiggins said Cav should be allowed a contract for as long as he wants. He, ridiculous. Um, yes, that is ridiculous. How about as long as he um, is it? That, that's that's completely ridiculous. Um, otherwise, you'd still have Phil Guyman with a contract, right? And he... I think it's up to to you to show your your worthy. I would have to look at maybe Brian. You can say what his reasoning was for that. Is it just like your longstanding? What? Why? Why not? I mean, why is Wiggins not still have a contract? He's not really racing either. He's racing about as much as uh, Wiggins as um, Cavendish is. Um, back to flow bike. So they did a copyright strike on our YouTube channel. And once again, what happens with that is they just don't allow you. They take the video down. They then don't allow you to do any live streaming on there. So once again, we're doing it on uh, Facebook until we get that cleared up. I sent them a nice demand letter and um, they reply, their reply back was uh, even more ridiculous because it showed they didn't know one copyright law, even though it was to their copyright division. And two, it showed that they didn't actually uh, watch or pay attention to what the video is because they, they, their facts misstated were so, were so poor. Um, I can't even get into it. Um, even if their facts were true, it doesn't mean that there was a, a, a strike against copyright and fair use. So we've uh, pleaded uh, against that again to YouTube. And what's going to happen is they're going to end up not having a strike against us and we're going to be fine because I actually know the, the law on this and we're perfectly fine. You transform, you can have criticism, uh, do any all kinds of things to their material as long as you're not just showing it straight out there as if you're broadcasting it from them. And it's under fair use claim. So um, with that said, uh, we're kind of screwed again. And it sucks because they're using it like a hammer. They know they are. They strike all these little things. They, I even had little clips up on Instagram and they they hit that one. So, um, but I did have a, a side note. If, you, if anybody out there has subscribed to Flow Bikes, um, I would kind of like to get your, uh, your input. Um, if you go there, they have broadly stated, they show that you can um, get... Um, a monthly subscription 
and there's two boxes usually you can click one monthly yearly but i don't i want to know if anybody has done that and then been charged for a year because i think that's kind of what they're doing so i'd like to, any feedback that anyone has um let's see brian zimney is still commenting here about uh, wig and stuff british homerisms uh yeah and we're not talking about the Iliad, are we? We're not talking about uh, Homer Simpson. We're talking about Homer being like, hey, favoritism, I guess you would say. Um, it doesn't make sense, though. Uh, I don't, last I checked, I don't think Bahrain is under, I don't think they're under uh, the British Empire anymore. And I, I don't think they ever were, but oh, maybe they were. Wasn't that how that was divided out there in, after uh, one of the world wars? Um, so that's what we have. Let's go to, to some comments from video um i did episode 205 that was talking about the media's um treatment of quinn simmons um some of these people i'm trying to get some some of these people really took this well first of all we already made a correction video that colin kaepernick uh, equals kobe o'brien so make sure you get that when you read it um Sean Bagley, uh, one guy says, Sashi Jerem said, how dare you have such a sensible, well-analyzed take on this? This is not what we do on social media. Um, yes, I will like that as of right now. And I appreciate that. I guess that's um, somewhat of support. This is the one, and it is still up there. I had said it was uh, uh, taken down, but it is not. Uh, that guy says, um, TW, covertly supporting apathy is a problem, which has led to bad and exploded in 1939. Remember that? Uh, just don't raise your kids poorly and remember, um, don't treat others poorly. Not cool. So yeah, that's where someone decides to share or compare um, Quinn Simmons to, um, once again, Hitler. That's, <laughs> that seems sensible. Um, and, and a few other comments in there. Uh, let's go to, and then I posted up episode 206. I did a little bit of a highlight video showing um, kind of a little take, a breakdown, a, kind of a well, some of it were corrections as well. And with that, um, we got some more comments. So I thought we'd uh, read through some of those. Uh, this person uh, calls themselves the judge. They say natural gift is not usually given um, to your powers, muscle and brain. It is the journey to understand yourself where is given more. Learn quick to avoid putting yourself in troubles, Quinn. Good job, Tyler. Um, might be English as a second language on that one, but I think their, their point is, hey, you've got um, talent muscle, you got brain talent, maybe um, they're not always just given as to which one you have. So you sometimes takes a journey to understand yourself. And yes, Quinn Simmons is still learning to understand himself, I think, at his age of 19. And so if you guys want to make comments on either one of those, please do. Lastly, I got nailed on Twitter by this. Uh, I don't know, I, I, I would I would gladly call him Antifa. But uh, Kurt might uh, eh, might balk at that, so he came really came about it and basically called me a clown. Um, a lot of his what he was, and it's a white guy, of course. So once again, he didn't like the fact that I said it's white people getting upset at other white people for doing things. It's a lot of, and so he white explained to me a lot here, called me a lot of racist <laughs> names as being white, which is always interesting. You don't understand, and so I'm going to judge you as a white person, right? That always works. Um, so I just said thanks for, and if you want to read that, you go to the Between Two Wheels podcast, our Twitter handle there, and uh, it's someone called Tobyism, and um, he went off a little bit on me. Uh, so uh, good for him. Um, and by the way, he, he he was really going down the route. This is kind of the, the point here, and then we'll be done for the day. 
uh, he kind of went down the point of talking about uh, Quinn Simmons and his comments to uh, Corey Williams, okay? Now, I don't think Quinn's, well, first of all, Quinn's comments were not racial. They were, he said they weren't, he weren't, it wasn't fast enough. So I haven't seen any, you know, in um, pro cycling tips, they come out and they, they said that Quinn had had previous entanglements with, uh, you know, ish, over issues of race. So Corey Williams was bringing out the race angle, right? He said, you don't understand. I didn't make this. And, and like when I had commented about it, I'm like, yeah, if, you know, maybe you, you, the way you're describing your results, it's uh, maybe you were overlooked. But I haven't seen anybody because let's, let's see how brave, uh, you know, pro cycling tips as an example, they do uh, analysis. Why don't you do an analysis of Corey Williams and his race results to all the guys that were picked at that time? And let's see if, if on his merits, he was overlooked. Because to do so, it sounds like what this guy on Twitter is saying and cycling tips in general is you can't. And, and by the way, maybe Corey was overlooked. Dude's pretty awesome. But once, like I said, a lot of the stuff that U23 is doing, it's road races, it's the classics, it's climbing, it's not crits, which is what he's all about. Um, so, but to question it, you're a racist. And that is not, that's not cool. You should be able to, you know, Corey can assert that and go, okay, but let's take a look at you on your your talent and let's see if you were given a fair shot. If you weren't, I mean, let's, let's add it up. And if you, these results, because he says, by the way, if you look at it, he says, um, you know, I, I won a national road race. Okay. Was that Valley of the Sun as a, as a cat two? Cause I think that might've been one of them that you did. Uh, that's a little bit different than, than winning, um, you know, some, something else, Joe Martin as a pro, as an example. So let's, let's take a look. I, you know, I, I did a brief thing of your, of, uh, his national, uh, champion as amateur uh, road race, um, results. And I couldn't find anything in, inside the top 40. So that makes a difference. And then you got to look and see who is competing against. So um, let's compare some people on their on their actual merits. And 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 don't be afraid to if you do, um, let's not call people racist for doing that. Now, did Quinn Simmons go about it the right way? No, I don't think you DM, DM Corey and you just uh, go off on that. Um, but then again, I've heard inside stuff about how Billy Ennis was treated and probably it wasn't the uh, greatest either. So there we have it. All right, everybody. That's all we have for today. Um, the Giro. Let's watch the Giro coming up. Let's watch uh, middle of the week, Skill de Press. And then we have Flanders. So the Ronde van der Vlaarden. And everyone says, yes, we're all happy about that. So thank you, everybody. Between Two Wheels podcast, episode 207. Take care. Enjoy. Uh, get on the bike. It's supposed to be nice weather again here for us in Northern California. I hope it's going to be nice for you wherever you are. All right. Later.